This is DJ and Allison, and welcome to Neon Nonsense. This episode is sponsored by Ventex Technologies. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Neon Nonsense. DJ and I are very excited to have Shauna Peterson of Peterson Neon on with us today. Shauna is an amazing neon vendor a self-proclaimed working stiff, former soccer player, and sometimes fine artist. We are so excited to have you, Shauna. Thank you. Thanks for having me and, uh, and for the fanfare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember this because there were like 500 people the day we met, but I was honored to meet you in person back in 2018 during the Neon Speaks event you did an open studio and my husband brad and i came and we were we were very excited we also got to meet laura through you because laura was there and i i have forever treasured our our little tiny hello in person <laughs> yeah so. i do remember that uh-huh. i do remember meeting you <laughs> <laughs> so i was glad that you could make it down for that yeah yeah you know, so you got to be on the West Coast. It's just West Coast, West Coast, you know? I mean, the only, like, the, uh, weird, like, positive thing that happened because of everything going remote was that I could actually attend one of those things or two. And of present. Now. Yeah, and present. So, yeah, uh, I was. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I, I did appreciate that about mm-hmm. the Neon Speaks and that it, it sort of opened up doors for more uh, people to contribute you know, in yeah. a different way. Yeah, so really. that, was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. 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 And it's like a whole different group of people that other than like um, the normal like neon crowd, I feel like it's like it's they have such a wider net of, of fans. Yeah, I, I actually had no idea there was such a huge group of just sign enthusiasts. I, again, I, I was really new to neon at that point. Like I was six months in at that point, like brand new. And so all of these new doors were opening of these people who document them and care about them. And I was like, I want to be with these people. This is really fun. I'm so excited that you care about this too. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually people that travel the country and take photographs of signs and that's their, their livelihood. And yeah. Like Deborah. Yeah. Deborah's awesome. Shout out. Personal hero. Good website. Yeah. Roadside, roadside architecture. Yeah. She, she actually presented last year last year and it was a delightful yet also very sobering uh presentation because i for part of it i felt like i was watching like a really extended part of the oscars where it's like the people that have passed away because she had such a long list of signs that have been demolished in one year that's not okay it was it was sad but then there were a lot of like really good stories too of people that had been preserving things and you know it was just the way it is. Uh, my favorite sign that was ever in Delaware has just been torn down and it's been there my whole life. It was there since the 50s. It was a Scrapple restaurant, which is a pig product that we eat in Delaware, Pennsylvania, and I grew up on it. It's like <laughs> it's like Chuckle from 30 Rock. Booyah. And it was just this beautiful sign that said Kirby and Holloway and Neon at the top. 
and then this giant family in like light bulbs and then these vertical black and white stripes and then this giant <laughs> arrow and it was just had everything and it and then and then the the restaurant burned down and it just kind of sat in language there for Aww. like 15 20 years and they finally just tore it down to put a car wash there hmm. well yeah, and the neon put, sign that yeah. on, is honoring a scrapple restaurant is pretty wild from Scrapple perspective. is Scrapple? the national is the the meat of Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking to a kid that grew up with hippie parents, and we had alfalfa sprouts growing in a giant jar on the counter. So, like, Scrapple yeah. was never going to enter our house. It I probably that... entered my parents' house when they were growing up for sure. <laughs> yeah, but by the yeah. time they were Californiaized, yeah. am I South? My North Carolinian friends have told me it's very similar to liver liver pudding, uh, which I refuse to eat because of the name of it, even though I eat scrapple. So, you know, I'm a hypocrite. A giant is hypocrite. there is there a specific part of the animal that we're referring to when you say scrapple? Do we so have to have this everything? <laughs> <laughs> it's everything that doesn't go into a hot dog. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> Oh man, that but everything goes bad. into a hot dog. Okay. No, it doesn't. Well, on that note, anyway, Shada, <laughs> will you tell us a little bit about how you got into neon? What yes. led you to the path of neon? A, also, I'm I didn't live your life, but I am secretly jealous of your hippie parents. But I am yeah. curious about how you got into neon. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, I went to school in Southern California, um, and after the first semester of my freshman year, I think I moved out of the dorms, and my grandparents had helped me uh, start school financially, and then I needed to get a job. So I got an apartment through, like, the queer network of people that I had just met, and awesome. Um, because the the dorms were not for me. Yeah, it's <laughs> not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, friend of a friend of a friend had a, a retail neon shop in Long Beach, and um, I remember my job interview was at a restaurant, and my boss, uh, her, her name was Wendy Babby. Um, she pulled out a notepad, she gave me a pencil, and she's like, "Okay." write down this formula. And she gave me the formula for calculating the footage of block letters. And she made me write down the formula for calculating the footage of script letters. And she said, okay, you have those written down? Uh, Yes, I have those written down. Okay. Um, I'm going to give, I want a sign made with 23 letters in block and they're eight inches high. Uh, How much would that cost? And I'd be like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like, calculate it real fast on scribble it down and i'd say blah 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 dollars and she's like okay good and if it were script how much would it be and i'd do the same math and you know with script formula and i passed that instant um math uh, exam and so then she was like yeah then she lectured me about neon like she was like okay these are the gases that we use and i had to write everything down and then like at the end of it she's like okay so rundown for me how neon tube works and you know blah 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 and 
And I was like uh, looking at my notes. I mean, I felt like it was in a college course with an yeah. instant exam happening. And and that was just her style. She was like, boom, boom, boom. If you can't cut it, then you're not from this is not for you. And it was like wow. like eight dollars an hour. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I was answering the phones and saying, hi, this is blah, 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 and, and answering qu- people's questions about how much things cost and what colors were available and things like that. And then, so I babysit the store. I would do graphics. I would do block out. I would do, um, it was literally a retail storefront where, where it was like black carpet, black walls, and little neon stuff on pedestals, like flamingos and palm trees and all that you know, crescent moons and stuff like that. And then the neon was made at a warehouse, you know, in a different location. So all the neon would be bent by our bender and then it would come to our shop and I would do the block out and fabricating and stuff like that on acrylic if it needed it. And and so, yeah, that was my first neon job. And um, I did that for a couple of years you know, the, the store babysitting portion. And then my boss decided to close that and just go out of the where work out of the warehouse. And so Hmm. when I did, when we did that and I moved up to the warehouse, um, she wanted me to do an apprenticeship with our two bender who was named RJ or is named RJ Wells. And he was a, is a grateful dead fan, electrical engineer, And, um, so he worked during the day at his electrical engineering job and he learned neon tube bending as a 15 year old when he would go park himself at a neon shop after school every day. So he, he had learned bending in high school, always loved it. And so he would work his electrical engineering job and then come and work for us in the evenings. And so then I became his pumper. So he would bend work for us and then during the day when I was there I would pump all his stuff and uh, it was you know on a manifold that was a glass stopcock manifold with lots of grease and nastiness and (laughs) um, it was real old school so I learned from him and then I I would also stay late with him so I'd go to school then I go to work and then he would come to our shop around six o'clock and I would stay with him and he would teach me for like an hour, hour and a half. And then uh, during the day when I wasn't pumping or blocking out or doing whatever, I could be in the fires practicing. So it was really fortunate. I, uh, I got a couple of hours of practice, if not every day, every other day. And then oh. I would meet with him again and say, I'm having trouble with this thing that you showed me the other day. And now I'm, I'm, I'm hitting roadblock because I'm repeating the same mistake over again Mm. and then he'd be like oh well you have to do it like this not like that you're you know so he would correct me and um yeah it was actually pretty fortunate I was a little resentful at the time (laughs) because I was a full-time student and I was working 35 hours a week roughly and then I was having to stay and work with him as unpaid time yeah and that's so, a lot. I, I can relate to that life in college. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's a different, totally. it's a thing that I would like, I don't know how I could do the same today. I just, yeah. I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
so yeah, I was a I was a dragged into neon tube bending, actually, and uh, but once I was there, you know, in in hindsight, I'm glad she knew better for me than I did for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, and it was a great environment to learn in, and it was like an all queer shop, and so Amazing. there were never any. There was never any weirdness about what you could and couldn't do or what you could and couldn't learn. It was like huh. you were expected to learn shit either on your own or at, on the job. And and you were expected to practice. You were expected to get better. And if you didn't, you know, you were probably not going to stick around. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated it. Um, pretty quickly into it I you know like I said I got into it not really psyched um because it was really a job for me and mm-hmm. not a trade where I was like enamored with neon and then like found it and studied it and wanted to get into it and like sought out an apprenticeship it was really just something that kind of happened to me mm-hmm. um which is not it's hardly anyone's story in neon, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that, that's the way I got started. And, um, I did really, really love the mental aspect of working. I mean, two or three hours of practice time is it would be just gone in a finger snap, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you just get totally absorbed in the mental part of reading a pattern and the mental imagery you have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're working out something for the first time, you mm-hmm. have to like mentally image it in your mind in one, two or three steps before you actually put fire, I mean, glass to fire. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that fascinating because actually I was studying cognition and memory and learning in college. So it's cool. It was, it was like a practical application of things I was already interested in. So yeah. I like the way you said that. It, it, I really, it resonates with me too. Cause I feel like it still takes me a minute or two to just like, okay, I've got a 2d image. I'm working with a 3d medium. I've got multiple planes here and, and like constantly thinking of new ways to share with a new bender, how to interact with those things cognitively. Like it's, yeah, I really like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you guys know how this is like every little thing when you're learning your blow hose, where it is on your neck, <laughs> your, <laughs> your, your electrode, your electrode holder, the length of the tube that goes to the next letter, how long that is, the weight of that, everything fucks with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to like, kind of like, before I would even get in, I would hold the glass outside the fires and kind of rotate it in my yeah. space and be yeah. like okay is there any physical thing that's going to get in my way or can my hand actually one get close enough to the flame yeah. for that amount of time you know um and uh <clears throat> yeah it's it was something that you you definitely were like trying to teach that I found very difficult to new students mm. because yeah. it's like until you've actually done that done it for a little a few minutes you know in life um, it's, it's something that's difficult to, to instruct or explain, yeah. but, mm-hmm. and then now, you know, those things don't bother me at all. Like, I mean, all, every once in a while, 
like I don't use nine. I don't use um, hardly any jobs use housings anymore, except if it's a restoration or, mm. but I recently did one where they were small letters went into housings. I was on my closer on a letter O, which didn't have to be perfect because the letter style was funky, but my blow hose got hooked on the tubulated electro <laughs> no. when I came around. And it was that moment like that you have a million times when you're learning where you're like, what the fuck are my hands doing yeah. right now? <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this. Yeah. What do I do? I mean, you, you, I feel like it's like a matrix slowdown moment. Yeah. Seriously. And, and, you're, and like, you're like, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quickly because hot 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 yeah 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 um yeah it's definitely like it's one of those things where um you see the problem happening and you have no idea how to fix it yeah (laughs) and you're like you just just get to the table and see what's going on you know and then maybe the blowhose will come unhooked from its problem area maybe or you'll just be like all scraggly tight trying to get there and move your pattern to it and yeah 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 i always like watch videos and one and see people if they're really 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 good bender i feel like it doesn't matter which side their blow hose is on for me if i have like a a long handle that is out in the middle of no like nowhere and it's not doing anything that's where the blow hose is going and so that my my piece that i'm bending and the shorter piece maybe is has less shit hanging on to it to like well, get me to twist in- it that is interesting that's super I always- interesting. i'm the opposite <laughs> but but it's like extra yeah, stuff i'm, messing a, it I'm up. opposite too because yeah, I, but- I never i never want to cross my blow hose over i don't want it to get caught on anything so i always have the thing i'm bending away from me have the cork in it it's yes. also yeah. proper probably the reason why i go ho- go through a lot of blow hose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh but man, I, that smell is so bad. The worst. <laughs> yeah. The worst. But I just, I just can't deal with it. I don't even want it to be around me. Like I want it to yeah. be. I want my hose to be the farthest away from me as possible when I'm bending glass. So that's yeah, hilarious. That's, yeah. You know what I hate is when your blow hose starts to s- s- creep down your neck, oh. and then it's so far gone as you're rotating the <laughs> glass. It's hooked on your mouth, yep. and you're just like holding on for dear life. And you're like, yep. I just need to get through this bend, damn it. And then, and then sometimes. <laughs> it makes you like dribble spit a little bit and you're yeah. like well that spit's just there because i can't wipe it yet my hands are busy mine <laughs> god forbid yeah. you should sneeze on hot yeah. the hot glass oh god then you're really in deep doo-doo yeah. I, I i put i put deep the doo-doo. hot work up over my head in the air as far away from my face as possible and sneeze and then <laughs> hope to god i didn't move it in the, in the but mm, yeah. burnt snot yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then cracked glass. Yes. Don't you love it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's okay. Well, DJ, we really need to talk about your blowhose later. Well, we'll come, we'll come back to that later. I, I don't, you know, intervention, whatever. Yeah. That's later. Yeah. <laughs> or not. I'm always one that's like, do whatever works for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, same, same. My blow, my torches are also on either side of my table like directly next to my table so they're not like like eve where where she's like bending with the table to her back i see a lot of neon people feel i feel like they're like really far away from the table when they're bending yeah (laughs) 
it's just like I, I need every single split second I can get to get get it to work. So I don't know. So I don't really have a lot of space. Yeah, I've worked in many shops and some I built myself where uh, I've had I, the configuration you're talking about where you have the flame in front of the bench. And so your, your back is to your pattern when you're in the flames is, is generally the way I prefer to work, but I've also bench mounted my ribbon burner before. Mm-hmm. So it's literally like right there. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just depends on the space you're in and what you have to work with. But yeah, honestly, you can make it happen if yeah. in a very small amount of, of table space. Yeah. 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 Watching, um, watching the old school videos of benders without blow hoses and like one-sided torches it just you can do anything yeah anything's yeah. possible <laughs> what um, an age to be alive speaking of i have a question and it's kind of a tangent it's growing into gas territory but I was watching one of those videos the other day and it was a 1950s video and it had this fun little background music and then there are all these guys in like sweater vests bending and then they get to the pumping bombarding station and he's got helium along with i think it's helium pretty sure it's helium along with his neon and argon flasks but it's labeled cleaning gas yeah do a helium flush yeah is that that's a, that's what it was considered was like a, you do that first no matter if it was an argon or neon no unit. you wouldn't do it first you would um you would pump with air uh do your preheat with air and actually Mr. Crook from the Neon Engineer's Handbook would say to do this today. Yeah. He says um, hello, by the way. He sends his love to you, Shauna, by the way. <laughs> we talk almost every day. Um, He's the greatest. Uh, uh, I am not sure whether this is absolutely a necessary procedure, but I did have helium on my, on my uh, manifold up until like, two weeks ago when my flask ran out and the helium is so rare these days and it's Mm -hmm. very difficult and expensive. So not everyone has a third port on their manifold. Mm -hmm. Um, So I find that that is kind of um, the advice to have helium that that's limiting for some people. Helium flush is a procedure where you process the tube normally with air. Um, You get it up to temperature and uh, let it pull down to uh, 175 degrees around there. Then you fill it with like around like five millimeters of helium. You strike it, you let it get, uh, you kind of pulsate it. You can like strike the bombarder for a five to 10 seconds and then off, you know, you're, you're, you're getting it warm again, but you don't have to get it all the way up to temperature. But you're watching for um, the helium gas to change any color. Sometimes Mm -hmm. if your electrodes aren't fully processed, you'll see um, the the coating actually change the helium color to like a bluish. um, And that will tell you, you still have more work to do. And also, according to Mr. Crook from the Neon Engineer's Handbook, (laughs) the helium during that cycling actually kind of acts like as a scrubber of the tube Mm. to help generate and rid you know fully maybe fully process some electrode gunk Mm. and also uh get out some remaining 
junk in your uh, tube and then you open up the main and let it evacuate and cool fully. I have done this and it's been recommended to him, uh, to me by him to do this on mercury jobs. You don't, you don't need to do a helium flush on any neon fills. Mm. Um, I do it. I rarely see any change whatsoever in the helium color while I'm doing it. Only once in a blue moon, if I have a pair of electrodes where one far side electrode doesn't process at the same rate as the other one, which Mm -hmm. is common or can be common um, with a bigger shell, then I can sometimes have it or I'll see the helium change color and um, say, oh, I smell it. And it actually, like if it's a far side electrode that's not fully processed, you strike with a helium in there. It looks perfect all the way through. And then slowly as it, as it heats up, the tube heats up farther um, and the electrode starts to get a little hotter, you'll see the, the far side electrode gas color change to blue. And then it travels, the, it'll start to creep through the rest of the unit. Huh. And then it sometimes might stop halfway through. And so you're like, oh, okay, well, that, there was some crud in there for sure. Mm-hmm. I have to say that... I'm really trying, you know, these days to match the electrodes with the glass. And I had some issues with mercury staining a couple of years ago that just messed me up. And I honestly, I don't have a concrete answer for why it was happening, which is really frustrating. But Mm -hmm. this was one of the things that uh, Morgan told me was like, try the helium flush, see if that helps, blah, blah, blah. So now that I've run out of helium... I don't know that I will seek to replace it because mm. while the scrubbing action is maybe something that's helpful, I it's 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 all it's like trying to discuss a daily operation thing that you're doing to produce work versus a controlled scientific experiment where you're trying to find an answer to something. Mm. And unfortunately, when we have a problem in our systems you are you're battling those two uh, mindsets or Mm -hmm. or you know uh how do i figure this out and get the workout how do i figure this out and control for trying to find the freaking answer here yeah you know you know and so yeah do you think that is it do they use helium just because helium runs a little hotter or is it is there something specific so yeah, I think it's, helium? I think helium is, it's probably because of the, I would say the, the difference in the weight of it, mm. the gas molecule maybe, and, and maybe that it runs hotter, but although, you know, you have a temperature gauge on your tube while you're doing it, I don't notice a dramatic increase in the interior or the, the glass tube itself gaining heat when it's, you know, got helium in there versus air, yeah. if anything, it's a harder attempt to gain your tube in temperature when you, when you're doing the helium flush. Yeah. Because you've gotten rid of all the, the, uh, the air molecules at that point. Yeah. And so yeah. it's harder to get it to get hot again, Interesting. in my mind, which to me says in my experience that I already have a clean tube mm-hmm. and, and if it's not changing during the helium flush, well, it, yes, it's telling me that I have a clean tube, but it's also an expensive way <laughs> of telling me I have a clean tube. So 
maybe the scrubbing is something that I will see in the long term. But, you know, when I was having the issue with the mercury staining, it was such a dramatic, disastrous thing that was happening. Mm. The helium didn't come until later as part of one of the solutions. Mm. So like I couldn't source helium. I couldn't, I had to, I had to fix the issue or try. And I, I tried freaking everything. I, I threw everything at it. And um, Allison, I'll talk to you about your gas filling apparatus at another date because I have some insight on that, but um, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, the helium came way later and where is the, where the problem had resolved, you know, I had resolved it by throwing everything, but the kitchen sink at my mm-hmm. manifold. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know that the helium was, I know for certain the helium was not the fix. I think it can make things better, but, yeah. um, okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. I, it's a really long explanation for a, yeah. not a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, that's fascinating. I had no, I didn't know any of that, so that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I read it somewhere, but that doesn't mean it sunk into my skull. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for myself, not for you. Just to be clear. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I am a visual and like communicative person to person learner. I try. Yeah. I like reading books. It's very helpful for referencing things, mm-hmm. but. I love watching people do it the most and talking about it. Well, I have another sort of questions. I feel like in our interactions, you, Shauna, have told us a little bit about how there's kind of a difference between making signage and making art. And I've always kind of wanted the full spiel, if you have one. Would you tell (laughs) us more about that and your thoughts on it? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think I have the end uh, statement for that conversation. I just have my <laughs> own <laughs> uh, particular thoughts on it. I <clears throat> definitely came to Neon as a worker, uh, as a job. It was a way to pay the bills. And so I would meet people along the way. You know, so I went to school, I did my apprenticeship. And then I moved on from job to job, you know, after that, you know, once you become a neon tube vendor, you can, you can go pretty much or used to be able to go anywhere in the United States, get a job, probably several places in the world and find work then. Um, So I would, you know, go back to the Bay area after college, get a job, Uh, got a job at federal sign, which was another great experience. And, um, But it was always, always, always a job for me. And so I would meet people Mm. that were vendors that had come through art school and then ended up in a sign shop. And I just, we just had a different philosophy on what constitute art. I mean, I learned a lot from them about what fine art, what was considered fine art. Mm. And then, and then people would visit the shop and they, and they'd say to me, oh, you're such a, you're such an artist with it's such an art what you do. And I was like, well, I see that there's artistry in tube bending, period. Yes. Mm. But I see a clear distinction between making alphabet for a paying customer and also versus making my own artwork with my own point of view and my own uh, vision of 
of the work. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I draw the line for myself. I, I see artistry in the craft. I see artistry in the trade, just in simply putting glass to flame. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that every two bender is an artist by my definition, you know, and it doesn't mean that your definition has to be my definition. But for myself, I was like, I don't understand. I didn't at the time, possibly still don't, but I just can't wrap my mind around somebody who, um, who has, is driven to, to make art at, at all costs, you know, like, I guess maybe if you grow up poor, like I did, where we struggled for money, it's just not an option to be poor anymore. Uh, If you have your own skill set and your own trade under your belt, then choosing to be making art that may or may not pay the bills was just not an option for me. I was just going to make work for somebody else and, and have a paycheck. And I think I still approach my own business from that mindset because the hustle is real when you're self-employed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and once you have bills, whether it's a shop space or your home environment, you know, there's, there's always a certain amount of security that I need to have to be comfortable in life. And mm-hmm. no money is not where I like to be. So, um, so making art is a luxury. I view people that choose to market themselves as full-time artists is like, well, that's great if you can do it, you know, but I just don't see how it's possible for everyone. And so I, 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 I there's a disconnect for me mentally between people that are on Instagram, just being hundred percent artists and, and, you know, that's great if you can do it. I just don't see how it's possible without some sort of like family money or cushion of, you know, where you made a bunch of dough doing something and then you can like take the liberty to make art full time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I just, I'm not judging. I'm just saying for me, it is, that's not happening. I make art part-time when I can find time after the work is done. And it, and it, it makes you suffer as an artist. I mean, it makes you not, not produce. It makes you have your priorities elsewhere, but you know, that's what makes me comfortable in life is, is having the bills paid first. So yeah, if you can do it any other way, then, then do it. I feel I'm like, so I agree with what what you're saying so much and like I feel like the way that I've kind of I don't know if it's a defense mechanism or if it's just knowing from a very young age that I was always going to be successful in art and only art because I just that was the only or theater those are the only two things that I really had any good grades in (laughs) so um, it was just kind of like okay well if I can do art full-time and I gotta like, I'm gonna throw myself a thousand percent into this or I'm not gonna do it at all. And then I'm just gonna be miserable in whatever job that I like, I had tried a bunch of other jobs. And I, and I uh, just feel like the craft of, a, of making a sign, even though it's not considered fine art. I recently just did a peacock feather for a wine bar 
so amazing by the way everyone <laughs> go look at that peacock feather I literally can't stop staring at it. It's my height. It's like five feet tall. I'm really It's amazing. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Um, I feel very much like, yes, it was my client's decision to pick that specific peacock feather, even though we had many discussions about it. I love you guys so much. But but I, it was like- Don't be mad, but- Going back to art school, it was like every week there was a different assignment. You had these materials, you had this inspiration, you had to do something. And I just kind of feel like I never grew out of it. It's just kind of like this client wants this, they want it in this color. That's not the color I would have used, but here we are. Make it look good, figure it out, get the money. And and it it I don't know if it's just a way to motivate myself to do it, but I just feel like, okay- down to down to drilling holes in plexiglass do it well without cracking the plexiglass or you're not a good artist (laughs) (laughs) like you're not a good person who drills holes in plexiglass and that's your job and you're an artist so get your shit together like I don't know I just feel like just completely 100% immersing myself in what it is what the word artist means like, I, I think I'm kind yeah. of like wacko went in the other direction. for. <laughs> well, I, I let's let's not let's not say that there is no satisfaction to making shit with your hands and lighting yeah. it up and going. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, my God. I made that beautiful thing. Yeah. There is so much value in that. And that is, you know, so. So, yeah, I had a job where it paid me to do what I want, what I was doing, but. I had a fucking cool job that I loved doing because Mm -hmm. it was creative. It was mentally challenging, you know, and you had some input on different things, but I will say that. um, So, so yeah, it's a, there's a lot of different chapters of this discussion that we could Mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really more like the fine art versus, you know, uh, being creative or you know yeah I I don't even know how to categorize it but craft yeah but (laughs) buddy and you know and even as a self-employed person like you're saying you know you know like you're you're creating things with your hands and and that is so satisfying but recently I did a restaurant um where they let me come up with the concept just from scratch that's cool I threw three ideas at them you know, tried to pull in maybe some elements of whatever architectural, you know, design things they had going and that didn't end up being the way they wanted to go. And then I was like, well, they're letting me have open, uh, open exchange of ideas here. So, so I looked up their address um, in a topographical map format. And then I saw the lines, you know, from that map that were in the neighborhood surrounding them. And so I pull, and then I, in Illustrator, I drew that, you know, made a, made a file of that. And then I suggested putting each, or like every two lines at different elevations from, and they wanted it ceiling mounted, Whoa. you know, and, and they went for it. And like to make something from beginning to end that you thought of as like your art instead of just a sign. Yes. Infinitely more satisfying. Yeah, I don't I know mean, if that's the way it is for you when you're making your own art. Oh yeah, if, of your own vision, it's 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 in, it's something from you. It's from your own creative thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. that's now in a physical form, and someone is you know paying you for it. That's like that's the golden. <laughs> 
And so I think that's where a lot of younger benders who are marketing themselves and as fine artists, or this is, this is what I do. It's like, no, I don't take commissions and no, I don't, you know, make things for you that look like the thing that you want it to look like. I mean, I get that that's not as satisfying. And, but again, we go back to me and my personality is I still got to pay the bills. Well, and as a person who's still learning, if someone throws me, like I have a prom uh, pop-up boutique that wants uh, their logo and it's Savvy Prom and it's in serif fonts (laughs) and I'm going to blow my brains out, but I'm going to do it and it's going to be a good learning experience and I'm going to know how to do better serifs. So there are multiple reasons to do stuff and just because it fulfills your artistic whatever is one of those reasons. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can, I feel like I, I feel like we're like the perfect ends of a triangle because I definitely did the, like, you got to bootstrap, you got to pay the bills. I avoided the need for creativity forever. I did not go to art school. Like I had all of those same values instilled in me that I cared about. And the more I tried to avoid it, the more, that deep drive to be creative in my daily life kept resurfacing for me. And so then when neon was an option, cause it never, I, I always had it in the like forefront of my mind, but it never was an option until recently. I knew myself well enough to, to go for it. And so the way that, and like, I feel like related to what DJ was saying is it's, it's a lot easier for me to justify blowing through a box of glass on my own idea so that when a new project that could help me learn a new skill arises, it's a lot easier to say, okay, I've, I've hit the point where I could take that and you don't have to be charged extra because I have to buy like six boxes of glass to do this. And so I feel like it's, it's this interesting like balance for me as a newer bender where I am very comfortable saying, yo, this is not my wheelhouse. I cannot make this for you well. Like I I just isn't something comfortable with. So I'll send them to my other good local neon friends to to make it well. And so I feel like I I relate, I resonate with both of where where both of you are coming from on that front because I I care about it so deeply and I love it. And I want to keep improving uh, and I want to send quality work out into the world. And so- Mm -hmm. It's satisfying for me when I can like drive by the restaurant and be like, I, I made that. Yeah. <laughs> See, I made that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll yeah. tire your your partners with that. Oh <laughs> yeah. Repeat over and oh, over. Oh yeah, and over. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's on the way home or something. <laughs> oh yeah. Every, it's like your route every night. You're like, see heat. I made yeah, that. I made that. Yeah. Yeah. You and don't get like, to go Stop. drink in your client's living room where they put your piece of artwork no. and like view it no. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, and that is a thing that, you know, having to let pieces go and selling things is uh, sometimes it's when it's from you and it's your personal artwork, it's, it's hard to let things go. Sometimes. It's kind of bittersweet. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? I, 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 <laughs> I told See, you. That's, that's the talk- artist in you. That's the like ingrained of like, if you're going to make a living at this, you got to sell what you make. So that's a different yeah. vein of what I'm talking about. Yeah. I suppose, yeah it's very but- in the moment. It's like, I'm getting enjoyment out of drilling these holes and putting this on here and, and putting oh, you're it up. Zen now, huh? That's what and, it is. And that, no, I'm not, not at all. 
But then once it's in my space and taking up space and possibly broken, about to be broken by me, like misstepping in my tiny space, it needs to get the hell out of there and yeah. I need money. And- I understand that. <laughs> I, I feel you on that for sure. And by yeah. the way, I will tell you something. Side note. I gave some of these bits to our friend, Mr. Crook recently, and um, I'm going to share them with you. They are acrylic bits. They will save your life. It's the best investment I've mind. ever made. Oh, I have yeah. some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, good. The good, little good, paddly good. ones. Pardon? Yeah. They're little paddles. No, like, no, no, oh, no, 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 oh. no. Mine are sharp. They're, they're sharp. They have a different and they're made for tip. acrylic. Yeah. They okay. do not punch out the back. They yeah. make a clean hole and it's so perfect. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really those. hard to crack you a need corner. Those. It's it's yeah. a lot. You like, oh God. It's oh, so I'm good. excited. I love, I love tools. They're the best. <laughs> it's so great. I do too. <laughs> I, that was the best part about uh, metal smithing school. It, it was like the people that I've learned from. There's a guy named Tim Lejora. He would just he, he needed to set a very weirdly shaped stone in a really random spot. He would just create a tool for it because he was also a blacksmith and he would just like create a little forge in our studio and make the tool he needed and then get the job done. And I was just like, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Like literally yeah. anything is possible. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons I got into neon. So like uh, rapidly was because of how weird all the tools are. Yeah. And they're just not around and like, you don't see them in thrift stores. You don't see them in junk shops as, as much. And so I'm just like staring at a ribbon burner, like what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'm going to have to talk to your friend, Robert house about uh, ribbon burner economizers. Um, oh, please. Uh, yeah. I need yeah. to. Mine's acting stupid right now. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Do you ever have your, burner just go whoop yeah and, and it smells goes out yeah, yeah and you have well, to turn the gas off and then on again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to immediately turn it off because what can happen and this happened at federal um and so it scares the fuck out of me when it's it loud today. it's loud but we we were called into a meeting you know like whatever so uh not our usual meeting time it was like there was shop people and office people and it was all hands on deck so they called us in there we usually would leave our burners on all the time Mm -hmm. and they came into the meeting and they said oh you want you guys have to come to the neon shop right away i was so okay we went back out there and there had been a fire because we had wood platforms that we stood on right the ribbon burner neck so when it does that whoop it basically uh instead of igniting at the top of your burner it's now igniting on in the neck of the ribbon burner Mm. on top of the economizer it's something to do with the mixture of air gas and i think it has something to do with how ribbon burners always leak at the front Mm -hmm. you know like the very tip of the ribbon Mm -hmm. burner it's you always smell a gassy smell there Mm -hmm. and whatever some people i plug mine with like tin foil and whatever um so I, I'm not, a, I don't have a hundred percent grasp on why it's occurring. Otherwise I would be able to fix it, but I have taken apart economizers before and trying to determine what it is. But so basically you're making a combustion chamber in the neck of that ribbon mm-hmm. burner. If the, if the ignition goes off the ribbon top and now is in the neck, you'll hear it. It's super loud. It's like, it's like a jet engine in there. Yeah. yeah, that's because that's a 
fucking hot flame going on in there. Mm -hmm. So you have to immediately turn off the gas. And if you've ever touched the ribbon burner right away, you can't. Well, it depends on how long it did that thing and, and, and what the air gas ratio is on your economizer. But I have mine try dialed down as low as possible so when it does do that whoop thing it doesn't have yeah. the combustion thing happening but so um so it melted the ribbon head right off onto the floor it was a pile of iron oh my oh, god yeah, what it looked, yeah it looked like uh an explosion happened on the surface of the moon or something it was Jesus. like weird and it was yeah I, that's hot yeah and so because it was like, because, we, yeah, because <laughs> we we weren't there to turn the gas off immediately, um, it was left burning and then somebody smelled the wood floor smoldering, you know, uh, charred up the whole thing. And oh my god. Yeah. So anyway, that is a definitely a concern for me, that whoop thing. And I'm 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 hoping that Robert has some knowledge or answers on that. Yeah, I could only imagine that I've been messing around with the little pins on the side of the economizer a lot, and I think that my air hoses are too tiny, and Hmm. they're doing, they're just like pushing too much. Maybe. Um, Well, anyway, so that's a a topic of discussion for, that we need answers, but. Yeah, we need answers, Morgan. We need answers. Morgan, Robert, Morgan, Robert. now. Yeah. (laughs) We're sending you this segment specifically separately yeah um back to the whole art school yeah um, i wanted to get back to that too yeah. yeah i mean i worked in the fine arts for several years of my career and i fucking hate it it's the worst <laughs> fine arts they okay so for me there's a lot of entangled things here so there's there's the churning out an artist from art school with a set expectation of how the world is and then the world being different than that and how they don't interact with artists that way. And then you have the experience of like expecting people to interact with the gallery experience and the ways in which the galleries like perpetuate this like high art vibe when they can't even exist without the artists in the first place. And so I have, a, I have some really... <laughs> unpopular beliefs about like the fine art world and the gallery experience and like I just feel like it's set up to be oppressive in the way that it's built and I know that's an unpopular opinion I know that there are a lot of galleries who are working to change that actively I know that one of the components of what I do in my own studio is to help change that and I have deep values around that. Like without artists, there would be no galleries. Seize the means and, of production, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like especially now, they're with this whole like, oh my God, if I hear supply chain issues one more time, so help me. I know it's real. I'm not ignor- ignoring things. It's just like, you don't need cream cheese because you're vegan. <laughs> I do have amazing vegan cream cheese recommendations. Should that interest you? I'm just kidding. I just, I, that's the newest thing I learned is that cream cheese. Every, there's a cream cheese shortage, everybody. Just get yourself a cow and make it fresh yourself. Well, I need some cream cheese with my toilet paper, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stay tuned for after the episode where we talk about our toilet paper cream cheese. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
all that rant to say, I just, I feel like there's this really big uptick in light art being in. And so there's What's this light art. Oh, like any, any art. light art, oh. like neon LED and all being like super in. And so the galleries want to showcase it and it doesn't feel very genuine still. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'll set up my would... soapbox. I would like to know where these galleries are that are championing light art and illuminated art. <laughs> I mean, we have a couple here, to be honest. Like, there's a there's a gallery here that featured several. Well, admittedly, it was for like an all glass weekend exposition, basically all over the city. So there's several yeah. galleries here who have friends of mine. You know, had several pieces in the show, but. And that's great. I mean, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword, and I think it relates to um, the whole art school topic. We can dive into that about. <laughs> I yeah. did not go to art school. Same. Um, so I do not. I cannot have a, a conversation about the fine art world that is very uh, involved or in depth. But that's why I'm here. I, that's why you're here. You're the expert. <laughs> No, I'm not. Um, but I, I but mean, I does do, it count that I taught in a fine art? It, it does. Everything <laughs> counts in my in my book. So um, I'm I, in I, Jonah's I, book. Woo! <laughs> 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 I would say though, I, I, it re- it kind of relates to you know you talk about illuminated art being a you know the the new thing that people are interested in or galleries are interested in, and I find that that that's also the case, unfortunately. And fortunately, with uh, artwork by people of color and mm-hmm. after the Black Lives Matter movement and things mm-hmm. like that, and, and artwork that involves social justice topics. And I, 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 it is long needed and long overdue that Agreed. museums represent people of color more Agreed. than they do and galleries. And, and I welcome the change. And I welcome the change in art school about bringing that uh, forward, but I'll put a big caveat on that statement in that I, for instance, was a a speaker with, um, for Casey Lee's students at uh, the Chicago Art Institute last year, or hi Casey. and there was a Q&A with the students afterwards. And one of them asked me about my work and what, what was the personal motivation behind it, which is something I usually don't discuss because I'm more interested in the viewer um, having their own experience with it. Although I do find that a lot of people slash Instagram would prefer that you tell them everything there is to know about your, your art piece. And it's probably the way that things are going. And so I need to um, change my mindset. But so anyway, she also <laughs> went on to talk about how she was finding it difficult to be in school and having professors kind of like pressuring them to make social socially justice driven work. And she was a person of color and she didn't really feel like that that was her focus or her point of view for mm. where her art was in her in her life and where it was going. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, you need to 
maybe just think about where your what your what is your vision what is where where is your art coming from for you mm-hmm. um and don't let anybody tell you what to make uh I, I i find that there is a problem with white driven institutions telling people of color that they need to make artwork that is driven by their lives as people of color yes thank you Yes. And mm-hmm. I don't think that any institution slash organization slash club slash gallery slash whatever you want to put on that umbrella should be telling people what art to make. Yes. If someone said to me, you're queer, make queer art. I'd be like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that is just so absurd to me that yeah. you would say that to someone. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's, in, it's good to have that as a com- topic of conversation. And, and, but you need to ask the artist where mm-hmm. they are, what they want to do, mm-hmm. and what their vision is. You don't tell them. And mm-hmm. so I have a big, big problem with that. And I just told her, look, you know, you want to do color studies. You want to do nature-driven uh, <laughs> stuff. You, whatever, whatever it is for you. You want to make it pretty stuff? Make it. Yeah. That's the good art that's going to come from you. Yeah. And don't let people tell you what to do. Yeah, you're in school. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be, you know, like have to do things outside your 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 wheelhouse of of personal comfort. And I think that's good too, but she she seemed to kind of be saying that this is the drive this is like the the main focus for being in school and I I get that that they they needed to kick themselves into high gear Mm -hmm. and include that as part of the conversation but don't tell people what yeah what they need to do right and just expecting that that's what's going to be trendy and you know you you find the people that you find the people that that will support your work if it's landscape if it's still life if it's something you know mosaic work like literally anything like oh you you feel that want to to make that there is a market for i am 100 percent like i've said that multiple times um i had no idea before i started working in nonprofit art deal that there was such a large plein air painter community out there yes most and that people go to remote locations with tiny little paint paint paintings still to do paintings and like they pay extravagant amounts of money to go to these like retreats like there is a market for everything (laughs) so you don't you know i i think it's trendy right now certainly to do political work uh you know people and wanna... isn't that a crime in and of itself that okay. trendy is yeah what it's it is being. for and sure yeah there is i'm i'm curious to see the longevity yep i hope that i hope that this is something that is inclusive you know as as one chapter for of the education for kids you know people going to art school or whatever but um it's unfortunate i i you know i know it's it's a, it's a tough topic because on the one hand, you're like, whatever, whatever it takes, you know, if you're a person of color now, you're getting a, getting attention put on your artwork, whatever it fucking takes to do that. If, if I'm part of a trend or you're part of a trend and your work is getting out there, then fine. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it, it's like I said, it's a double-edged sword. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like it, it bothers me more like when when the person is taking credit for the f- whole body of a piece of artwork versus the idea that they created. Um, just neon, for example, there's so many, like we're talking about illuminated work being really um, popular for museums right now. I don't know if neon's really popular, if like designing neon is really popular. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, now you're going to go there. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Because I just, it bothers me so much coming from a metalsmithing background, knowing people who are in weaving, knowing people who are in painting, knowing people who do jewelry, you know, all these crafts. And I, I have gone to conferences and I've talked to people and explained, hey, there's this whole thing where like, I get like, my friends are messaging me really cool neon pieces and the artist attributed to, the, to them did not make that piece. There's no way they, 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 they never show pictures of their work bending. Eve talked about this on her, on her podcast. And it's just, we, we don't care about this at all or anything. It's just dis- no, no, talking no. about disingenuous. It's like, I, I've been, I've been the like recipient of layman friends that are just neon enthusiasts sending me information about an artist that they're like oh check out this new neon person do you know who this is and I'm like yeah I know who they are they've had sculptures all around the United States made by friends of mine that don't get their work their name or anything anywhere they don't get credit piece and it's a 24 long foot piece of neat like or some crazy technically insane thing I understand again, hustle, money. That's, you know, these people have money to pay these neon people a lot. I've also done a lot of artwork uh, bending for other artists. And I, I do feel like there should be some credit given, but I also don't feel like it's hundred percent necessary. I used to in my 20s really have a line in the sand about this whole topic but you're like everybody has to create their own work and blah 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 and as I've grown older and met more artists and done more work for artists um, sometimes they are painters sometimes they are uh, muralists sometimes they are sculptors and for whatever reason they've decided to include neon in in their whole you know, one piece in the whole scope of, of their show or as an element that's an added piece that that complements the work. And to expect that they would have to go learn neon tube bending to do that work is kind of unrealistic. Sure, absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah, and, no, I agree. You know, so, so I'm more than happy to work with artists and help them, um, you know get their whole vision complete yeah and and be the expert in this field that they are 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 using and so my wouldn't you say that's a collaboration I don't think so necessarily (laughs) I would not necessarily think so because because I didn't I didn't sit down with them and say what do you want to do with the neon that's going to be in your show and how does that how do you see it like what can we create together to complement the 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 photographs or the whatever I never have that conversation that would be a collaborative effort back to whether I need to have my name on the placard in the in the gallery I I don't necessarily I 
I think that it would be great if they chose to do that, but I'm not going to tell them what to do. Yeah. Well, but I feel like to your point, Shauna, you know, the idea of incorporating it into the art they already make. Sure. We're not expecting someone to learn how to make neon. I'm still learning to make neon. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's, yeah. it is a tricky mastery oriented craft. However, I feel like the thing that I feel frustrated by is that I actually have had a few pieces come through my shop where they're like, yeah, I thought that this artist that I really admire made this. That's why I chose to buy it. If I had known that they weren't going to make it, I actually would have rather just like buy the pattern and bring it to you, a woman-owned business in our region, and have you make it for me. Instead of having it ship, get broken, be poorly made, maybe made yeah. overseas versus made in like locally. So I feel like I feel like the misdirection of all the parties are what make me feel salty is mm-hmm. like I in large part because one of my main values is being transparent like I care about people knowing who made it what what was inspiration why did you choose to work with this neon artist is it just because they can bend that tube for you or because you admire how they work or what they do and so I feel like to DJ's point a few episodes ago I just feel like we've we're here now we've reached the point where like we can say who made what when while they brought you that idea you still do a lot of creative labor making mm-hmm. it into that actual physical thing you're like the filter in the world yeah, yeah. like to get yeah. it to be a neon object exactly like you get this shape but you know where the glass wants to go and how you can actually make that shape in light and even filters on instagram get their little thing at the bottom of the freaking <laughs> stupid right? block so yeah so yeah. I, I guess I just bring that into the conversation because I feel like we all have different experiences with it. And I think, and who knows, maybe DJ and I will be less intense later. Not likely, nope. but. <laughs> well, you I, I feel that, I feel that like, lack of transparency <laughs> with the whole incorporating neon. That's all of that I care about, I think. In yeah, and all, yeah, transparency is a big yeah. thing. And it's also yeah. like about, it's also about how you label yourself and what you say, what your conversation about yourself and totally. what your work is and, and, right. and don't mislead people yeah. into thinking yeah. that you bent that shit when you didn't bend it. I was on yeah. the Etsy site when it was first uh, c- conceived. Uh, it was one of the first like couple thousand people on there and Aww, for the first you're for, an Etsy hipster. Yeah. Aww. For the first for the first five years, it was a hundred percent handmade stuff. They were really strict about it. And that's why I liked it. I was like, okay, well this is good. This is like, you know, eBay for handmade stuff. You you could there wasn't algorithms yet, really. And you just like get if you search for a thing, you got the stuff that was the most recent. Well, and then when they got to to they like became a public company at some point and then completely changed all of that, but kept all the handmade brands, brand yeah. stuff and all yeah. the like huggy feely buy stuff for your now there's commercials. It's so weird. But I immediately fucking pulled out of that. I was like, no. I'm not going to be buried underneath 700 jewelry companies because they can pay for bots to continuously like play to this algorithm when you're yeah. going to when you're going to basically make me work harder for no or reason or treat their workers poorly to make it that price. Right. 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 So I've <laughs> always been this way. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which oh, was... we it's not like we didn't get that or anything. <laughs> just for the record. 
Hey, Shauna, I have a ridiculous question for you because I like to bring the nonsense to all that I do forever. Bring on the nonsense. Okay. I just want to know if you could choose what song played every time you entered the room, any room ever in perpetuity, what would that song be? Oh, man, that is so rough. <laughs> you, I also accept a genre if you feel like choosing one for the rest of your life is too much. Um, well, you know, the pressure of the question is making my mind not recall my favorite song to sing in falsetto. And so I'm talking about it. <gasps> of course. Because <laughs> Obviously. I stole, am the stole. person... In the grocery store, that when the song comes on, I start singing, and you walk away like yes. you don't know me. <laughs> That's awesome. It is um, by a group called Switch. Is an old R and B group. Uh, the I think the DeBarge Brothers were in this group. All right, yes, I'm looking definitely. it up. There's they'll never be. They'll they never be. be. That's yeah. it. Okay. Then I say something like, "I'll never be" or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> they'll, they'll never be. Yes. Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-eight. That's where it's at. Yeah, my answer was going to be anything by the Bee Gees. So this is like you know, pretty disco. close. Yeah, it's just falsetto disco. for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Like, so much cocaine. <laughs> 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 yeah, I. I mean, we had these tenants down. Um, stairs from where our house in our house and um we had a duplex and we rented out the bottom half and and they gave me this record I think when I was in junior high <laughs> and I would play that sucker out and she would yes. say she'd I'd come downstairs and she'd see me outside and she's like oh man you're really feeling that aren't you <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like I love that record <laughs> Uh, so yeah um yeah i feel that anyway um, can i also answer can i also answer the uh x-men question like superpower yes yes what is your superpower yeah if you got to choose your superpower what would it be well Well, technically your mutation but that's fine mutation excuse me (laughs) can i do mutation i I forgot it was x-men well i guess i'm morphing it into which character i would want to be yeah okay, okay. deal okay. the the beast yeah oh yeah, yeah. absolutely because yeah. one super strong and super smart and bra- british uh, blue, accent blue fur blue mm-hmm. fur so mm-hmm. cuddly even in yeah. the like intensity intensity yeah. intensely cuddly exactly yeah. Yeah. and can like we just discuss all of us the, right <laughs> can we just acknowledge that um fraser Oh god. the beast. Kelsey yeah. so Grammer. wrong in every way. What? Oh come on. Oh, that was just, That was insult upon insult when I Okay. Saw that. I was like, well, oh my god. That's fine. You don't want a snooty beast. That's what I hear. No this. snooty beasts. I mean that's a whole nother podcast is like movies that have been made out of book from books or comics or whatever, so. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a favorite neon movie, Sean? Ooh, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I think I have a, a favorite color movie. Okay. I what think does it's that mean? The, that means like lighting and atmosphere is. Oh, oh like the vibe of the, the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's called The Color of Love. The 
God, that's familiar. That's really familiar. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, Google that, ladies. Get on Google. it. Google. Okay. Film, Color of Love. I'll check that out. In the Mood for Love? Uh, maybe. It's a 2000 romantic drama. In the Mood for Love, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I associate it with color, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. That's, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, s- slow simmering story that Ooh, i like those ladies. yeah yeah i think my favorite neon movie is probably blade runner yeah it really is it's good. a classic it's so good i'm not i'm not even mad about the new one like mm-hmm. it's so yeah. no yeah it was good it made sense that they weren't they were like all led projections or whatever or holograms yeah different but good movie for sure awesome <laughs> speaking of oh. like movies and like i feel like marquee was a movie i was gonna like use as a reference um as like another really good neon movie but referencing like your restoration marquee restoration work um there's a couple youtube videos out there that show you doing all kinds of jobs but i think the thing that i gravitated towards was the i'm not gonna remember the name of the actual marquee but it's the one with it's a wraparound corner Mm. lot are you talking about the castro theater yes thank you okay um yeah i that was not my job i was brought in as a tube bender to supplement um, the job it was neon works had the job i used to work for them and after i left i was brought in on that project um it was a uh, restoration that was all the way down to the paint where they analyzed the the wow. multiple layers of paint and found the original paint colors. That's cool. And it was in part uh, because uh, the movie uh, Milk, uh, mm. based on Harvey Milk's life, was going to yeah, be filmed yeah. in the Castro. And so they wanted the sign to be restored back and also the muni buses would hit that marquee constantly and so uh, so it was a it was a a trifecta of like the owners of the theater the milk com- production company and muni like all came together to, cool. to make the budget for that and make Amazing. it happen so um <clears throat> that was an awesome job and uh the other two benders on that job were libby cahill and ames palms Mm-hmm. of rebel neon mm-hmm. and so the three of us uh did all of the glass work that was needed for that and we got to libby and i got to go up on the rooftop and get the we we put the neon on the very very top of the sign they they built cool. this scaffolding like different floors of scaffolding mm-hmm. and uh all around it or all around the tower vertical tower and uh, Greg King was the mastermind behind the wiring of the um, animators. And there's like a huge box up there that has all the animators in it and all the wiring comes in there and it's just crazy. But um, cool. yeah, that, that, that was a fabulous uh, job to be part of. And also being, I went to the premiere there at the Castro theater, the, the production company gate invited us to come and so cool. i went and Good for that was awesome That's too fun. yeah it was and and they set up the whole street with cars 
of from the 70s you know like 60s, yeah you know the whole block it. was like set up for the shoot you know on, awesome. on different days and that was pretty fun too i think i have some old pictures of that but um yeah i mean being a queer person who grew up in the bay area the castro theater was just always an iconic mm-hmm. beacon of sorts for uh, a neighborhood that was ours and yeah. so to be part of it was really personal to me and i was so thankful uh for being brought in sure yeah yeah how many um like did you guys have were there any neon units that were left or did it was a completely re- like redone all of it i think some were still good yeah um but as far as the lettering went i'm pretty sure that was all we did all that we did the, the whole crown at the top that was all new I think the marquee was mostly what was left in in place, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, you know, where they put the names of the movies and stuff like that, because that has a lot of neon too. And I actually have a old piece of the marquee that was nailed by a bus that they <laughs> that they took off and had to redo. And yeah. so I got the old piece and that's hanging in my shop. But oh, that's cool. Yeah. Ames also has a piece of the old marquee, I think. <laughs> in their shop so that's pretty funny that's amazing so when i came to drop off work for the she ben show there at the midway gallery um i stayed at the green turtle hostel for like a week over by i don't remember it's like on the edge of chinatown and yeah. then there's like um the the beat poet cafe is there oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like that big intersection yeah, it's like, like is it the, it's like the edge of the mission. It's like not not really in the mission. It's like it's like it was, where it's like where North Beach meets Chinatown. Yeah. Meets, yeah, 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 yeah. It was magical because I was like right my my room was right out across the street from the Eden strip club, oh, yeah. <laughs> which has like that sexy lady and then the cool snake and the lotus flower, and I was just like, this <laughs> is the best sign I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> yes, yeah. Broadway. Yeah, yeah that's that was uh, awesome. there's a lot of that yeah i love that shit <laughs> i love it like you walk down chinatown and like the bank just has like insane neon all over this amazing like um you know disneyfied version of a chinese building but it's just so bonkers and over the top it's just but it's a chase bank there's an atm there <laughs> <laughs> you can get money it's great yeah yeah there's some fun uh pieces in in Chinatown and North Beach for sure, mm-hmm. you know, long-standing neon signs that have yeah. been around forever. And most vendors in the Bay Area have worked on at some point for whatever shop they've been in. Well, thank you so much for talking with us about your career and, and how yeah. you started and and what you're doing. It's and my it's, opinions. And your all your opinions. <laughs> Give them I love it. Yes. If you couldn't tell, we care about opinions here. <laughs> This is a space for opinionated people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thankful to be invited. And um, I will also say that opinions are not always uh, written in concrete. So sure. That's fair. Be open good, to evolution of said ideas. Uh, yeah. I've tried to do that in my life, but I will say that in my younger years, I was um, definitely probably more of a firebrand. <laughs> for sure we, we don't know then, what that is at all we're no, not that uh-uh. at all no <laughs> but i will also say that let's not um being a firebrand it doesn't excuse 
hurting people with your opinions. So let's be conscious of trying not to to be inclusive and be transparent and all those things. And I think both of you are those people. So I'm happy to be part of your conversation and maybe open some more conversations for people and institutions and whatever. And let's talk about neons more. And yes. um, Yeah. Come back. (laughs) Come back. We'll send you the microphone again. It'll just, we'll have, we won't have audio problems. It'll be great. That's the microphone. I'll be back. I'll be back in my little flower closet. It'll be great. I know. I thought I was going to have to go into my closet, closeted for the first time in my life, but uh, it worked out not to have to do that. (laughs) Yeah, this is the closet black hole. Well, thank you again. We would totally love to have you back on. And we will love to have um, you. Perhaps with our friend Morgan to discuss many a technical thing. Yeah, we'll try not to gush over each other the whole time, but I can't say that won't happen. Oh, we're here for it. You know, we want to watch and listen to that. I got a text message from Allison today. It was just a picture of a part he sent her, and she was just like, "I don't deserve him." (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I literally sent him in all caps today. I was like, "I am not worthy of you." Yeah, and shout out to Brie King. She's actually being helped uh, significantly right now by him. She just started her own sh- little baby shop inside of a, a borosilicate shop that she, her her boyfriend uh, works out of too. So she's he's been helping her put that together. So he's he's just like uh, I don't know propagating all this little he's baby the plant, neon fairy. Plant. Yeah, neon neon. Oh, he plants. is the neon fairy. Yeah, he needs. Yeah. We need to make him a little wand. On it, I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 have, I have the magical business right now, so I, I'm on it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We super enjoyed this episode talking with Shauna. Next episode, we are going to be covering the amazingly interesting topic of plumbing your neon shop. What hoses to use? What's a Venturi valve? Do you need a hand torch? What's that mm. weird smell in my studio? Should you get a carbon monoxide tester? And if you have any other questions regarding setting up your burners, please let us know. Over the next couple of weeks, DJ and I will have both on our personal Instagram accounts and the podcast account a place to ask questions. We want to answer those and hopefully offer some insight into this frankly annoying setup thing that you have to do. Save you a trip to Lowe's or five, which is good because you can expect at least 30. So, (laughs) thank you for listening. I liked how I worded it and I don't want to fuck it up. Yeah. Do the hustle. That's right.